welcome to the Parenting Podcast. Moms, wherever you are in your parenting journey, or however you became a mom, we want to come alongside, addressing your questions and concerns with helpful insight to lighten your load as we dive into the reality of parenting. We are your co-hosts, Cheryl and Ellen, and we want to share practical answers, but our goal is to have relevant discussions that give you heart and strengthen you both today and for the years ahead. So join us now at the TPP table as we share together, helping you flourish and bringing your heart hope. There were unforeseen consequences to our conversation last time, Ellen, because we were talking about chores, and I'll admit, I'm a widowed empty nester, and I keep the general house. It looks just fine. But I don't know if it's a reflection of the character we were talking about, but I started looking around, and I started finding <laughs> dust bunnies that had been left alone and felt deserted for a long time. Do they... Do they still call them dust bunnies? I don't know. I just learned that term a few years ago <laughs> from my husband, but <laughs> I didn't know what they were. But, you know, those little poofy things of dust that fly around. Or just get in the corners yeah. and you didn't look there before. Well, the the reason I learned about dust bunnies is because <laughs> one time when Mike and I were first married, I'm a short person and Mike's almost six foot. And I couldn't see on top of the refrigerator. And one day my husband mentioned, he goes, you know, there's a lot of dust up there. And he actually dusted the top of the refrigerator for me. I didn't even know it needed dusting because I couldn't see it. But that brought us to a question I asked him, oh, are there other things sometimes that you see that I don't see? And he goes, well, yeah, you know, on our staircase, which at that time was uh, a wooden stairs, he goes, those little dust bunnies. And I went, what? What's a dust bunny? (laughs) And he took me up. He goes, those little tiny puffs of dust. Oh. And that was a shock to me because I didn't know what a dust bunny was. And and I learned that dust accumulated on the stairs. (laughs) It's so funny because you're saying you didn't know about the top of your fridge. We are definitely a tall family. And so we use the top of the refrigerator to put things on. But also, we had friends that said, we have to have you come over every few months. To check your (laughs) top of your fridge. (laughs) If you don't come, we don't clean it. But it doesn't matter whether you clean or don't. Chores just aren't fun. Yeah. Okay. It's a reality of life. Last time, remember, we were saying, it's not about a clean house, moms. And that's what I was telling myself. It's not about a clean house, but I'm disrupting these dust bunnies. And it really is about attitude. And if remember, Ellen, we said, yes, we want to create character and the right attitude in our children, but probably the best way we do that is what's our attitude? Because this may be one of those areas that's caught a lot more than it's taught. Yeah, that's really true, because I know sometimes, I think we can all relate, you just have that bad attitude, or we all have that one or two chores that we just hate. We're just in general. Yeah, and so our children know that, and they can see it, so it's hard to get our kids excited about cleaning if we're not. That's right. Or we just, even in the off times, like we said, that we're just complaining about work, complaining about the house, complaining about what people do, and not feeding our children the example that we really want. Right. Okay, so let's get practical. How about let's take a bedroom or playroom, Mm -hmm. and you have 
six to eight year old age kids and they have had a blast and you come in and it's an absolute wreck and with a good attitude because we're working on our good attitudes and working with our kids how would you tackle that just tell the moms what was your approach to that it's a wreck in their books and their toys and their dolls and their little blocks everything how would you approach that yes even toys you didn't know they had (laughs) (laughs) that you're now stepping on well usually i would try to get them to start in one corner i wouldn't say pick up these things i go start over there and work your way to the middle And that kind of like a triangle or however it would look, but they would just wind up rather than just jump into the middle of the toys and pull and pick up this and that. We just started at one end and worked across and that seemed to go pretty well. See, I love this because our hearts are the same about so many things, but the process so many times were really different because we approached it as breaking down a... um, problem. Mm -hmm. And so our thought process was exactly the opposite. Don't start in a corner, but we would work with our children and say, okay, pick up the big things first, or it's all over the bed, move everything off the bed, make the bed right. And they would start with the biggest things. What do you see? And so they might put their stuffed animals back on the bed and then what's next. And so just show them, put books back on the bookshelf and then just work our way down so they could break it down. Yeah, see little pieces of it rather. Yeah, and one of the (laughs) worst things when my daughters were into the beads, making things. Oh, beads. And, you know, somebody for their birthday gives them a two-foot-by-two tray. And they're up there, and not even with the room that messy, and someone bumps it, and they're everywhere. And I should say we all took all the time to put them all back up, but that's when they started just going in baggies. (laughs) But anyway, we felt like that equipped them to know how to break down the problem. So moms, it isn't the formula. Find what your style is. This was our style and how we approached the problem. You just did it from a different way. Right. Um, And I liked a very orderly house, and I still do. It's pretty hard sometimes with five kids. I didn't worry so much about the dust or a few fingerprints, but I liked everything orderly because that made me feel more comfortable. My children eventually grew to appreciate that when they got a little older, that things would be orderly. And other moms, gosh, you could eat off their kitchen floor. They're just really tidy. Sometimes I think if people came in our house, they would think we ate off the kitchen floor. Because when you have a big family, they're cooking and everybody's in there. There's a lot of food that gets on the floor. What you're just saying about orderly, one of the principles I've really found is my dad used to say, place for everything and everything in its place. But the truth is it's containers. Yes. And that if you have containers, you're giving your children the tools that they can succeed with. Yes. I think the worst thing anyone ever invented was one of those big toy boxes. Right. It's true. And we even had people offer them to us over the years, and we said no, (laughs) because then everything's just thrown in there, and the only way to get to it is just pull it all out. And dust ruffles are the same thing on a bed because kids can kick it under the bed and say, (laughs) I've cleaned my room. (laughs) You were talking about not seeing the... Dust bunnies. Right. Because sometimes it's really frustrating. Did you ever say, well, son, is the room clean? Yeah. Okay, let's go look at it. They think it's perfect. Oh, yeah. And you walk in, and it's not even (laughs) 50%. You're like, I think my child needs glasses. (laughs) They missed a lot. But it is perplexing when 
you can see it. Yeah. And it's as if they can't even really see it. Well, I would always tease my kids with the old saying, if it was a snake, it would have bit you. But the kids at first would go, oh, that's weird. But then when they think about it, they realize I'm standing right next to the book I was supposed to pick up. Yeah. Grace needs to go for little ones because little ones really don't know. No. And when they're really small, you have to show them how to put things up. Right. That the people go in this box and the the blocks go in that box yep. and the book and then, go over here. Yeah. yeah. And so you're beginning to do that, but you still need to keep doing it because their cleaning jobs and the rest of life are growing. And so is their learning knowledge. So actually the phrase is inattentive blindness. I don't know if it's still going around the internet. But there was some kind of video. They would say, okay, what we want you to do is watch and see how many times these people, I don't know what they were doing, clapping their hands or picking something up. They say only 50% count it right. Okay. They're watching it. And then at the end, they said, okay, so how many did you get? 12, whatever. And they said, what about the dancing bear? <laughs> and you yeah. go, the dancing bear? They go, go back and rewatch it. Yeah. And you rewatch it. And in the middle of that, there's a man dressed in a ridiculous bear costume that goes dancing back and forth across the room. But you're so busy looking for the other That's stuff. Exactly right. You just missed it. It's inattentive blindness. Yeah. Children struggle with this. They're focusing on what they see. Yeah. And they really don't see it. So that's how we broke down a room. Did you do kitchen cleanup the same way? Did you start in one spot and then work your way across? We assigned different tasks. We just broke it up. One person would be in charge of the kitchen, dishwasher, things like that. We didn't try to get two kids in there working together unless we needed them to. And we did it a different way. Yeah. As people grew, they had different jobs. Yeah. So the littlest one maybe does the silverware, and as you get taller, you work up. Our kids did the kitchen every night. We split it. I'll do the cooking. You all do all the cleanup, and then they work different ways how they want to do it. Yeah, and that's how we were by the time our kids were teenagers. Actually, they were keeping the house, and I took care of the cooking in the kitchen area, and that worked really well. And that's a lot of training. Yes, yes. Lots of training. All right, so you bring up the cleaning the house. Let's look at how we broke down cleaning the house. So we did ours on Friday. We usually did it Friday or Saturday. Mm -hmm. Because you want the weekend. Right, exactly. Know. And you want to get done quick. Yes. <laughs> you know, let's get this okay, over so with. Tell moms, over the years, I've said I had one formula that I found that actually worked. I figured it out, and then I had the kids join me. And what we did is list all the chores that needed to be done, and then we put a value of points on it. That wiping the sink and the counter and the mirror was two points, and cleaning the kitchen trash can was a five-pointer because nobody wanted it. We had this huge list, and then we total up the points, and then everybody had to get so many points, 14 or 15 points. So we would just divide it up, and it was fun because this was us working together, and, you know, I'm big about teamwork. And so here we are cleaning our house together, and every time I'd say, let's look at this list, and they'd say, well, actually, that's a two-pointer. No, that's too easy. You should combine these. And so the whole family, all the kids, I didn't care. They're talking together. They would designate the changes or what we needed to add in. Mm-hmm. I saw people's temperaments sort of coming out, their personal choice. Mm-hmm. Let's say they had to do 14 points. One would do all one and twos as fast as they could. Yeah. And someone else goes, this is crazy. I'm just going to do the three five-pointers. They had fun music. I did chores that they weren't doing, so we were all working together on yeah. our house yeah. and laughing. We didn't do a lot of sweets. 
I would do something like buy a whole box of ice cream sandwiches and say, okay, everybody that's through by 3 o'clock gets Mm -hmm. to split the ice cream sandwiches. Mm -hmm. Some people were really motivated. Some of my kids weren't that motivated, and they didn't care, and they just plodded along. Okay, so how did you do? Well, when they were young, you know, it was similar. We just had to work together to help train the younger children. But as they started getting older, I used three-by-five cards, And for each room, like the bathroom, I would put just a sentence for each thing, clean the toilet, scrub the sink, so they knew what was expected of them in that room, so I didn't have to supervise it. So each room had an index card, and we didn't usually give rewards necessarily. I guess because I'm the type of person, I change things up a lot. We went for times where we had chore charts, and then we didn't. But usually the three-by-five card, that was a constant, once they could read. We didn't do allowances. But we gave them money because we said, just as cleaning the house is part of being a family, so having some of your own spending money is part of the family, as opposed to the money was directly related to your chores. Yeah, we did too. But you could earn more money. Right. There was always extra jobs. That's how they're going to (laughs) learn. They're not old enough to go outside of the family and earn money. And that's part of being a family. You're sharing your chore time. You're sharing your money. And so... That helped. Our philosophy is sort of let's work hard to play hard. Mm-hmm. And so there were different things with my kids. I don't care when you do it, but you have to get it done before right. you play. Yeah. One time we lived in Atlanta and Ellen, well, you've lived in Hawaii, so you know, <laughs> and California, it just never snowed. Right. And if they said the word ice, everything shut down. There was big cleanup on Friday afternoon because it was just the two of them. I said, y'all can figure out what you want to do. If one of you wants to do it, or you can make it drag on Saturday. I wanted them to make choices. Yes. So they dabbled with it and they decided they wanted to play. I reminded them, you can do this. I don't mind. But before you have all the freedom you want on Saturday, whatever's going to happen or what dad does or anything, you've got to finish your chores. Oh, mom, no problem. We'll just get it done. And what they didn't know is I think it was eight inches of snow came overnight. It was gorgeous, (laughs) beautiful. All the pine trees. They got up, snow, and started grabbing stuff to put on to yeah, go out. To get ready to go we play. That's great. And I go, well, come on back in. They go, Mom, we want to play. We never, never, never get snow. Did you complete your chores yesterday? No. What's the arrangement? We have to complete the chores, but please, you know. I go, you made your choice. Now you have to live with it. Well, they did a <laughs> they cooked yes. in. But I will tell you, both my older children remember that yeah. because it made such an impression on them. Now, whether that carried on to their adult life, at least... They remembered, I made these choices, I delayed, and I paid consequences. I and I think that that's the good part of, of chores, especially if you're planning as a family, hey, we want to go somewhere. You know, everybody's got to get their chores done. They're just different kids need different motivations. That's true. There's nothing wrong with motivating a child. And mm-hmm. you just have to know your child well enough to know what motivates them. And sometimes they're internally motivated. Right. And... Then you just have to let life be consequences. Me, my extroverts, it was always, if you don't get your chores done, you can't play with friends. (laughs) But the introverts could care less. They wanted to just read their book. So (laughs) you have to find the thing (laughs) that's important to them. Exactly. Okay. How about some tips? We just have a little bit of time left. I'm thinking of things that I learned over the years. One of the things, like I said, tried to make it fun. And I'd have kids over all the time, lots of kids at our house. And 
when they played and they made a wreck, one of the things we would do, or we do this on a regular basis, two things, is we would clean up before lunch and we cleaned up before supper. So if we had friends over or even when it was just my children, I'm getting ready to fix lunch because they've got what, four kids over and say, okay, just a minute. Y'all got to pick up. I'm fixing lunch. Do you think you can pick up faster than I can make your sandwiches? Yeah. The and, racing. Uh-huh. <laughs> and racing. And, and, and yeah. I would say, no, 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 you can't stop. That's not fair. Don't start yet because I don't have my stuff. And it just made it fun. They didn't even realize they were cleaning up yeah. or we'll do how fast do you think you can do it? Timer. Just when they're particularly young, that works real well when they're young. Yeah. Games are perfect oh. for young kids and they take a little bit of the pressure off if yeah. you can. So that works real well with the youngers, not so much with the 15, 16 right. year old. <laughs> I like the idea of when everybody was there and our kids were there a lot, that we clean up times a day and then about four o'clock. Okay. It's time now to clean up and just pause to do those. And then I mentioned having everybody work up their chores. Like the first thing is the silverware, but then that child start helping them to set the table and remind them, okay, how many people are there and talk it through so they can learn it and work with them. And then you work your way up. Our youngest said one time, why is it nobody's taking over my chores. <laughs> and I said, because you're the caboose. That's right. <laughs> oh, that's right. And I'm saying, even before two, bring the little ones in, because when they're young, you want them to think, this is fun joining the family. This is fun doing this work, just as a yeah. mindset. And I can remember our very little ones, and I've done it with my grandchildren, learning to fold washcloths. Right. They're not well-folded. They're not well-folded, exactly. But they feel so good about themselves and then helping them take it to the cabinet and put it in. Because we're not looking for perfectionism, especially in our little children. You know, I remember a friend of ours was a psychologist, and he told my husband one time, if your child is tying their shoe and then you come right behind him and retie it, it's teaching them perfectionism. That's not what you want them to do. And it's the same with the washcloths. If you run behind them and straighten everything up, then they feel like, oh, I didn't do it good enough. So you want to be able to be relaxed enough when you ask your children, especially the little ones, to do the simple chores that maybe the face cloths aren't folded perfectly. Who cares? Yeah, I'm glad that the psychologist said that because it really is true. I have friends, and in talking about it over the years, and they would talk about even when they were teenagers, how demotivated and devalued they felt. Because by teenagers, you're doing a good, decent job. But their mom would come back in because she wanted the towels only folded her perfect way. Right. Or, you know, or everything. It couldn't be well done. It had to be perfectly done. And it demotivated them or... It started reproducing little perfectionists. Right, right. Well, moms, do it your style. Do it your way. Watch, like you're saying, are internally motivated or the externally motivated. Working with them. Laugh a lot. Yeah, just, I mean, I think for all of us, the more you can be lighthearted about things. And it helps, you know, the whistle while you work thing. (laughs) And, you know, that does help a lot. Because I spent many years being the crabby mom. 
God, mad at my yeah. kids because I hadn't cleaned something up properly. And that, that again, is very demotivating. Yeah. And Ellen, we've talked about it before. We could go back and change just one thing. It would be to give more grace to everybody, yes. to ourselves and the kids, because that's the perfectionism thing. Right. It's no grace. Right. That we want to do it. And I would rather my children feel loved and valued and maybe a little floppy with grace. Yes, exactly. Right. Okay, this was fun. Now what we're going to do next time, moms, we're going to start a pattern that we hope we can keep regularly. And we're going to call it Keeping It Real. And so we've talked about chores some. Now we're going to bring some moms that are in the midst of doing it now. We're going to invite them in here in our podcasting studio and just talk and listen to them. What is their reality? Where they struggle? What are their questions? Just like we're sitting at one of our living rooms and we're just chatting with them. So I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Because there's You so and I are doing it from this end. Yes. What is it like? So we'll just hear from the moms. Until next time, moms, remember, hang in there, keep loving, keep persevering, because it's worth it. Yes, it is. Thank you so much for listening to the Parenting Podcast. We hope it was encouraging to you and maybe gave you some new ideas to help or just a little lift in your parenting day. Remember, we drop our episodes every Thursday, so be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any. Like or share or leave your comments. We would love to hear from you. Feel free to go to our website, theparentingpodcast.com, where you can find talk notes and other resources. And of course, follow us on social media. We're glad you were here today and look forward to next time.